is Free Talk Live. Welcome to the program here. Phones are open and you can join us. Bring up whatever you want. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Joining you in the studio tonight, it's Ian. It's Bonnie. And Nikki. Coming up, the communists, the socialists, are pushing for something that took me by surprise. Apparently, they want government-run dating apps. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, I've got... <laughs> Sounds like a disaster. <laughs> yeah, we'll get into it coming up here in a little bit. But actually, it's open phones every night here on Free Talk Live, which means that if you are on the line, we're going to go to your calls. So we got Timothy calling us from Oregon right out the gate oh, here. Yeah. Timothy, you're on the air. I'm go ahead. Air. What's on your mind? I'm totally... Guys, that's guys. I can't believe I'm talking guys, but anyway, it's not that I hard. Mean, you look. you know, as you did, you just dialed your phone and then here you are. So it's pretty yeah, easy yeah, to do. Yeah, I am. But anyway, the other day I called the phone and I'm like, you guys suck because it called and called and called and then it just rang and rang and rang and then I hung up. And so I'm like, you guys don't even have a system in it. But then this time I, I did it again. And it might be because we were at Forkfest and we weren't taking calls for a couple yeah, weeks. There was a couple weeks where the show was at a campground and so we could not take phone calls. So anyway, what were you calling about tonight, Timothy? Okay, so um, so um, I actually tried to call the um, another show. Um, it's in California. I'm I'm in Newport, Oregon. And so, anyways, yeah, and they they like they stick on me. It was funny. It was out. I'll tell you for a long time. It's a so, little um, hard to understand so what you're saying. I don't know if you're sounds a little windy. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if you're what oh, the deal oh, okay, is. But okay, okay, look, um, I think I'll be able to understand you. Um, so um, I was playing a video game that was already installed on my phone. It was kind of like Tetris, and like eventually you die and you can't fit the pieces in the puzzle. Mm-hmm. And um, I have like 1,700 points or whatnot, whatever that is. And so at the end of it, I didn't know. Um, I was going to get an advertisement. So it was a 14-year-old girl dancing around, and she wasn't necessarily, like, doing anything wrong. So, you know, it's hard to understand. She wasn't, like, half-neck or anything, but she was dancing around, and they were advertising for TikTok. I was about to ask, was that TikTok? How did you know how old she was? Oh, I don't really know. I mean, but, look, I'm 36 years old. And she looked fourteen. To okay, me, so you're just jumping been, to the con- you're jumping to a conclusion. You're saying the girl looked young. You believe she was under eighteen, uh, and you estimated that it was fourteen. It wasn't as though TikTok had on the I screen. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so it I wasn't as though TikTok was actually saying fourteen year old girls here. Yeah, install this app for underage well, girls. No, I don't know though. But but now look, but the see, trolls used to say I, there was no way I was my age, and I'm actually sixteen. In reality, you're in your mid twenties. Okay, so what, so were you just calling no, to tell us about on. your shock and surprise about this? Was that the well? Well, well they say so they say Ian and his twelve year old girlfriend Bonnie on uh, the show. I just tried to call, but huh? however, uh, down on the see, he's the he's one of them. Uh, these people. Oh, you think he's one of our internet trolls? What? I don't know about that, but they. I he mean, didn't like, just say that she was twelve. Yeah, I yeah, know you're a lot older than that. Uh, I, I think I'm I'm only fifty. Myself, I'm 36. I'm, I'm only 15 myself. But, okay. but so what it is 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 that I, I've seen so many talented people on TikTok. I haven't had TikTok so many what for like people three years. Talented. talented. Oh, talented. Okay. Amazing, amazing family. Like, yeah. like I've heard all kinds of bad things about TikTok, 
But TikTok but is what it is. I mean, for, and thank you, Timothy, for your call tonight. Um, I mean, I've looked around a little bit. Tom, uh, Bonnie, you had an account there for Free Talk Live you were experimenting with for a time. And we looked around a little bit on uh, TikTok. And there's some pretty entertaining stuff on there. Yeah, and uh, I would get in like a, I don't know, a rabbit hole of watching the girl that has, uh, what's it called, Tourette's. So that's all I wasted my time watching. I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. Yeah, they were in the news. Um, The claim was that the Tourette's thing was becoming more common because people wanted to be Tourette's people on TikTok or something. Yeah, like like people were saying they were were, like catching it. Like they would watch these videos of this girl and then start doing it, which I can't imagine. I've watched seriously hours of these because they're so crazy. Of Tourette's videos? uh, Maybe not hours, at least an hour. (laughs) And I didn't start Tourette'sing. You know what? really concerns me about TikTok is that it's so well curated mm-hmm. for whoever because I, I know a lot of people that use TikTok, right? And they're all of their feeds are completely different, but it is so well curated for their interests and their mm-hmm. likes. So it's kind of creepy how well TikTok does it that. It gets to know you. Yeah, right? it's it's really creepy to me. Uh so what I was gonna say to his point though is that you'll find all kinds of things on there, right? Like it's it's got a good chunk of humanity. TikTok has become, as I understand it, more popular than Facebook or whatever. More or popu- something. popular than Google. It's incredibly popular. Oh wow, really? Yeah. Well, it, it whether over- that's true for now or not. That might have been a temporary thing. Huh. I, I don't know. But it was very, very popular. It might have been like the number one app or something like that. Um it has been at the top of the apps, stores and things like that. So it's there's no doubt you cannot deny it has been a tremendous success story. And of course it it caters to people with a short attention span. It caters yeah. towards a younger audience. And but that said there are some older uh people on there. I remember seeing there was a story on Drudge Report about some guy with his demented father like dementia kind of a patient father who was making videos with his dad in them showing what it's like to live with the person with dementia. And, you know, that's it can sometimes be funny, but of course, it's also very sad in a lot of ways. And that content is there, too. Right. So you've got everything from dancing teenage girls all the way through elderly dementia patients. And you can kind of find what what you're looking for. Of course, the downside to TikTok is it's just a time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I know a lot of people like healthcare providers who are using it as an educational resource for people. Really? They're not just doing dances? Yeah. Well, and sometimes they will do dances, but they'll also put words over it for like educational stuff just to teach Mm. people about, you know, whatever it is that's their expertise. Mm -hmm. But. But yeah, there's usually dancing in the background too. So. Well, I mean, I guess if that's what you have to do to uh, you to know, get people's get attention, people to learn right? Something, yeah. Then that's fine. So, but I, you know, I, I spent a little bit of time on TikTok and then just kind of uh, yeah, I, I got bored of it. Stuff. Yeah, it gets boring pretty quick. Well, I'm sure you can find some channels that are pretty entertaining. It's just I knew that I didn't want to put my time into this thing, and it was easy to sink time into it. I, I like know. longer chunks. Like, I like long YouTube videos. Most mm-hmm. of the YouTube videos I watch, usually like 30 to 40 minutes, really? sometimes an hour. Though I, I get sucked into things. So when it's only like a minute long... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like there's no resolution. Yeah, I get sad too when videos of like people I really like on YouTube are really short. I like really long ones too. Maybe it's a generational thing. I don't know. But but the stereotype is that y'all's generation, yeah, the millennials. I forget me and Nikki are between the different generations because that makes any sense. Like I'm supposed to be the same generation as you know Aria and not Nikki. It doesn't make any sense. But well, the claim is young people cannot pay attention and therefore all videos are trending towards a much smaller 
uh, shorter runtime lengths to max. And we saw this happen. Uh, Bonnie would look at the statistics on the videos that she would put up for the Free Talk Live TikTok channel. And they break it down by like demographics as far as age range and how long they watched. Younger viewers were the majority of the people who were viewing the videos, but they weren't sticking around for more than 20 or 30 seconds. Maybe I mean, like, I think it was like 16. It was really Like the small. average yeah. or something? Yeah. So the, of the we young people. They were watching it, but they weren't And liking it. it, which is so weird. So they would yeah. like the video, but not watch the whole thing? Yeah, which almost made that's me think there was strange. some kind of like algorithm thing yeah, or bots fake. or something. Yeah, yeah that's it was really weird. Uh, because they wouldn't do... They wouldn't like share the video. So clearly they yeah. weren't actually doing well, anything. And it's kind it. of funny too, because this is a three hour long show. Yeah. So if they can't even stick around for one minute yeah. of it, it's like bad news. Yeah. You know, it's actually interesting that guy called in about uh, apps because that was the first story I had tonight. And yes, we'll get to the inflation numbers. And uh, Nikki, you've got a story about a baby being denied a heart transplant. So there's crazy stuff in the news here tonight but this is something i've been sitting on for a little while i wanted to have you ladies in the studio for this one since you know you're the younger of the the co-hosts you're probably more likely to have used a dating app at some point in your life uh tinder have y'all used tinder i have not you have not i've used tinder bonnie has used it i've used it uh and now the commies over at jacobin.com are demanding the government socialize dating apps they want the government operate these things and we'll uh, let them make their case coming up here in moments you can join us as well on free talk live this is free talk live and you can join us here the number is 603-283-6160 603-283-6160 joining you tonight it's Bonnie and Nikki. And I want to thank Brett Perry, who is a gold-level supporter of our AMPS program. AMPS stands for Advertise, Market, Promote, and Support. It is a way for you to help us. And Brett's doing gold, which means he's doing 10 bucks a month at least. Thank you, Brett, for that. To help us advertise, market, promote, and support Free Talk Live. To help us get on more great radio stations around the country and bring more listeners on board with the ideas of freedom so if you value what we do here on free talk live uh, you can just go to amps.freetalklive.com and you can that'll take you right to our patreon you can get signed up there with your paypal or your credit or debit card and we certainly do appreciate listeners like brett for stepping up all we ask is five bucks a month brett decided he wanted to double that so definitely appreciate it once again it's amps.freetalklive.com so these you know, dating apps have been a thing for some number of years, probably well over a decade at this point. Internet dating came before dating apps, right? So these these things have always you know, been around as long as the internet has existed, basically. Um, and they've become very, very popular. I came across this story a few weeks ago, and I thought, all right, well, I think it was actually sometime around Porkfest, so everybody was running off to the campground. I was like, all right, this isn't the time to talk about it. We'll wait until... Uh, the ladies are back in the studio here as the younger participants in the show. And, Bonnie, you have been on uh, one of these apps in the past, as have I. That is not how we met, though, just, no. to, just to clarify. I and never met a boyfriend on these apps. You did I date like a it's... guy, though, didn't you? Didn't you date one guy from... No. Well, yeah, I did ma- meet one something? guy. No. Oh, oh, what you're thinking of is totally different. Okay. He was he wanted wow, to become a cop. the truth comes out. <laughs> I convinced him to not go be a cop. He was going nice. to college to become a cop. And I Good told job, him that's Bonnie. a bad idea. She saved he was him. already yeah. on the brink, but I was just like, 
that's gross. You shouldn't do that. <laughs> I'm glad he took your advice. And he texted me only like a couple months ago and I was like, I'm in New Hampshire with my boyfriend. And he was just like, uh, you know, I don't know. He's asking me like New Hampshire. That's crazy. And I was like, did you ever become a cop? And he said no. no. Oh, good. Wow. Very cool. All right. So here's a story. Jacobin Magazine. I don't know if y'all are familiar with it. It's no. basically a hard left socialist rag. Uh, but here's what they have to say about this. More and more people are using apps like Tinder and Hinge to date and meet life partners. Dating apps are increasingly a key aspect of our lives. They shouldn't be under the control of unaccountable for-profit companies. (laughs) So ridiculous. Yeah, because the government's so accountable. (laughs) Right. I know, right? The author here is Nick uh, Nick French. He says, I've been thinking about dating apps recently because, like millions of Americans, I'm on them. I know a lot of people hate the apps. To be honest, I don't mind them. They take a lot of the stress and ambiguity out of meeting people or asking someone out. But the longer I use these dating apps, the stranger the whole experience feels. It's weird to me anytime somebody just says, as like a status of being in the world, I'm on the dating apps. It's usually like, I use them. I mean, most people, I think it's like, I I don't know, because a lot of people who just sleep around are like, just kind of always have have the app on their phone. But people who aren't just using it to just sleep around, they don't just always have the app on their phone and they're on the apps. Like, I don't know. I always Mm. find it weird when people describe themselves that way. Like, I'm on dating apps. I haven't found anyone. It sounds like it's not working for those people, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, it didn't work out very well for me, but it tends to work out better for attractive women than it does for the guys that are on the app. As well, also, you're you're kind of in like not rural, but not suburban New Hampshire. When I first ever tried one of these apps, I don't even think it was Tinder. Mm-hmm. I tr- tried to turn one on and meet somebody that lived maybe somewhere off of the middle of the desert where I lived in Utah. And I was like, this is terrifying. I'm never doing that again. Like I didn't mm. talk to anyone on there. There were so it was so far and few between that there was anybody that seemed normal. You're probably right that population makes a big difference, of course. Um, and, but the, you know, if you pay for the apps, you can move where your location is, and mm. you can just try different different areas or whatever cities around. When I took a trip to Japan, was like the first time I got a date on that app because they like white highly guys populated. Yeah, in, uh, the, there you go in, in Japan, and there's a lot of people there. So, for one thing, he says, quite a few of the suggested matches I'm seeing don't make a ton of sense. I figure the algorithm has reached the point where the apps could predict my preferences pretty well. So, even though I'm a pretty open-minded guy, I do have to wonder why I, as a democratic socialist of modest means and faith that the international working class shall free the human race, am regularly shown profiles of venture capitalists and Wall Street types. He says, I've also noticed that my use of the app sometimes feels weirdly detached from the aim of actually trying to meet people. Well, going on uh, what he first said there, it could be that a good chunk of the people on these apps are not looking to meet an activist. You better believe that this guy has all over his profile how he's all into socialism. Yeah, he has to or else he wouldn't expect the app to know that, I don't think. Right. So that's going to be like front and center for this particular character. And I think that's probably going to whittle down the amount of interest that you have, not just because he's a democratic socialist, but because average people just aren't into politics at all. Yeah, I agree with that. So you're eliminating anybody that's like, ew, politics, you know, uh, and then you're going to eliminate anybody that's, ew, democratic socialist, right? Mm -hmm. So he's he's probably... Which is pretty much almost everybody. Yeah. Uh, He says... 
So I open them just because a push notification has informed me that I have new recommended matches or because, quote, swipe surge is now in session. I don't know what, what that is. I don't even know what that means. Uh, soon the smooth flowing interface is inviting me to peruse and like profiles not long after. Colorful eye-catching icons are gently persuading me to spend a few extra dollars for more matches or getting my profile seen by more people. You can just X those off, dude. Like, you're getting advertised? Oh no, you can just X those things off. Before I know it, I find myself surrendering to the dull compulsion of algorithmic relations, even if I'm not actually interested in messaging anyone or going on a date anytime soon. All of which got me thinking, what are these apps really for? Well, first of all, if you're not interested in going on a date, why are you on a dating app? Yeah, just take some time off of the app if you're not looking to meet somebody. Yeah, remove it from your phone. I mean, because it seems like he's at the effect of the push notifications, so he could either turn those off or delete the app from his phone. It sounds like he doesn't really want to go on a date. It sounds like he just wants to have chats with people, right? Like, if you want to meet... If if it were me on this app, and like I said, I have been on them in the past, if I were to actually find somebody that was interested in me, I'd want to meet them as soon as possible. Yeah, I wouldn't want in to spend, real life. Right. I wouldn't want to spend days or whatever chatting with this this person. Like, okay, it's if so you want funny. to talk, let's talk over dinner or something. It's so funny because I was just talking about this exact thing with my friend the other day. He was saying he doesn't know what to call himself and somebody that they've only had sex with, they're not dating. And I was just saying, I've always hated Casual, people. I think is what they call that, right? Well, I've just, I just said, I've always hated how people call that talking like that's a new oh, issue they call, yeah. they call having sex talking well now? it's like, like it's like more informal dating that's yeah, what they informal call it. Oh, dating. we're just talking like me and this guy are talking and i'm always but like okay i talked to the waiter tonight it doesn't have to mean intercourse it can mean that <laughs> they haven't had sex too yeah but, but it it's means like before like, dating it's like courting almost okay yeah <laughs> it's like the new thing i hate it so much because it doesn't make sense it's like okay i was talking to so-and-so earlier that doesn't mean we're anything you know but yeah yeah. that is so confusing to me like using a word that doesn't mean (laughs) something to mean that thing well it does mean that they are like every now and then they text each other too that's like a key component maybe that's where it comes from yeah and i think that's where it's coming from but it could also mean it could mean that or that they haven't met yet and they're talking it's just the predating interested in each other phase and i hate that term i never coming up here we'll get into why he thinks that the government should take over should basically nationalize tinder it's free talk live do you feel like your country no longer holds your values Have you dreamt of a place where liberty-minded people can come together and leave government overreach behind? There are many people just like you that are discovering FreePrivateCities.com. They start at FreePrivateCities.com and connect via the social media links shown there. All skills will be needed when the first of the Free Private Cities open. It's sooner than you think. Stop arguing and build FreePrivateCities.com. FreePrivateCities.com. It's Free Talk Live, and you can join us here. You can bring up whatever you want on Free Talk Live. The number is 603-283-6160. There's a, just a strange story here that the socialists apparently want the government to take over the dating app business. I mean, if you thought dating apps were frustrating and annoying and crappy all you know right now, imagine if the government were running them. I mean, I don't understand why socialists believe 
that government doing anything would somehow make it better. There's absolutely no evidence for that in any sector, in any area in which the government has gotten involved. You yeah, look at, dating apps are going to be like calling the Social Security Administration. <laughs> right. You look at uh, governments like Nor- uh, not North Korea, because we, we can't really look at them. They don't let people in. Uh, but uh, Venezuela, who for the last two decades has been nationalizing industry and running profitable businesses directly into the ground, putting them in the red and turning them into losers. And that's not just something that happens in Venezuela. It's something that happens when you have centralized command and control and you don't have a free market or even semi-free market economy. Because we all know we don't have a free market, right? That's a fact. But you could say that the online world is a relatively free market. There's no, thankfully, in the United States, there's no government agency that approves software. There are a bunch of government agencies that regulate businesses in a lot of different ways, like electronics themselves have to go through like an FCC approval process to so purportedly to make sure they don't interfere, like you know, your phone doesn't interfere with your keyboard or something like that, right? Like that, I understand the, the rationale for that. I don't think the FCC needs to be doing it, but that's what the claim is. But as far as electronics are concerned, the actual programming, the actual software, the code that's running on those computer chips... There's no government agency that you have to submit your code to before they'll let you publish a video game or publish an app. The whole idea of free and open software, free open source software, Mm -hmm. is that just like they're not part of like the businesses that are holding people to? Because if it's not regulation, what are they free from? Ah, good question, Bonnie. So um, if Chris were here, our Friday night co-host, who's the huge free open software advocate, and I, I support him on that, I agree. Uh, he's just a programmer, so he knows the the real details of how this stuff works. Basically, in the world of software, you have what's called closed source and you have open source. So an example of a closed source software would be Tinder or probably every other dating app that I've ever seen. And what that means is that the people who are writing that application – they keep their code a secret and they then they when you write an application as a programmer you're writing it with words but then what you do is you do what's called compiling the program and that's where you tell the computer okay take this word document basically and turn it into a working program and so then the compiler takes that as its input and it outputs the app that you would then install on your phone And if you try to open up the app in like a word editor or something like that or in a word processor, it'll just look like a bunch of garbage. You cannot read what the code is that those people wrote that app. Because they like encrypted it? Because it's closed source, as they call it. uh, It's not encrypted per se, but it is sort of, it's that whole compiling process of turning it from code into a program. It makes it very hard to actually get into the actual code and see how it works. Whereas open source is different because the open source people say... We're going to publish our code, and we're going to put it over here on this website for anyone to look at, for anyone to copy, for anyone to you know make your own copy and do your own thing with if you wanted to, or for someone to contribute code to our existing project. So the well, open source already, philosophy is a completely different philosophy on programming. I already knew that about open source. Sorry. I guess I was asking more about the free part. Like, I knew most of that, at least. I knew the idea of open source. I meant, what are they free from? I thought that it was, like, unregulated 
You know what I mean? Because it's not just open source software. It's free and open source software. Okay, so I don't know of open source software that isn't free. And I bet you, if Chris were listening, he's probably yelling oh, at his radio Oh, it means free, like, right now. Not, you don't have to pay for it? Because some you think so. I'll have oh. to look. I'll have to look that one up, Bonnie. I just never sure. had this question in my mind until yeah. just now when you were talking. So it is a good question. In the case of uh, you know a lot of these apps, they're quote unquote free, but then there's also a paid tier, right? Mm. So they want to get you in the door with. The oh no! Free what features. a crime! Somebody and, might have to X off an ad. So, and I'm wondering, is that what's making this guy upset? The fact that there's ads and that they're trying to upsell him, kind of? I'm sure that's a factor. Because I know a lot of communists are like, they they just seem like they want everything to be free. free. Mm-hmm. But yeah. they don't realize that they're literally being stolen from to fund all of these things. So well, it's, it's really not free. I bet they would cost more than... The stupid little oh, tears he could pay for because yeah, they're just so not good at the way they but spend money, the government. You see, they want the ta- the rich people to pay for it. They are poor, right? Some of them purposely so, so they can avoid being uh, being taxed. Which they is just so ironic. Taken, they just want to be taken care of. They want to have a house to live in. They want to have free drugs. And they want to have free app, dating apps. So we'll get into what he is, is saying here. So he says, this got me thinking. What are these apps really for? I know that they're supposedly for users like me, but what matters to the app owners is not getting their users good dates. What matters is that they can make money off of us. Well, hold on. If people weren't getting dates off of these apps, they're not going to keep using it forever. I mean, there may be some people that are just so desperate they'll just keep on going forever. But if the average person, if you're putting money into something, like the free tier is one thing, but if you're paying for an app... And you've paid for this thing for more than a year and you haven't gotten a single date off of it. I would hope most people would reassess that and say, you know what? Either it's me or it's the app. But either way, this ain't working out and I need to change my approach. Apparently, this guy does not get that. Do you have a picture of him? Uh, No, but if you want to look him up, his name is Nick French and he writes for Jacobin Magazine. J-A-C-O-B-I-N Jacobin Magazine. So, going on. He says, with roughly one in five American adults estimated to have used online dating services in 2021, and actually, I'm surprised it's that low, and at least one study showing that it's now the most popular way for straight couples to meet, there has been no shortage of attention paid to the social and moral questions raised by online dating. But little has been said about one particular implication of the rise of dating apps and websites, the vast power It has given unaccountable for-profit companies to manage how we meet potential romantic or sexual partners. How can you just call any uh, company that's for-profit unaccountable? The government is, by definition, literally unaccountable. Like, Jay Noon was telling me the other day about how he asked, he put a free, I mean, a FOIA request for DCYF, which is the CPS, Child Protective Service of New Hampshire, I can't mm-hmm. remember what it stands for right now. Department of Children and Families or Youth or something. Yeah, like and he asked for the people that came to his house trying to have a private conversation with his two-year-old. Like, they wanted to have a conversation with his two-year-old without the mom or dad in the room. He asked for those people's oath of office and some other stuff. And it came back, sorry, we can't grant this FOIA request because those people don't have an oath of office. They have no possible way for him to get you know they for them to be accountable to him Mm. there's no way there's no route to make these people who came to his house and you know most people would just be like oh i guess i have to there's a court order it's ordering those employees not 
Jay Noon, but it, that's beside the point. There's yeah. no way to hold these people accountable for anything they do. No. The government is not accountable by definition, but um, an actual for-profit business, they're accountable in the way that if they suck, you don't give them money. That's it. Use the marketplace to punish companies you don't like. But these people cannot... They cannot abide that particular philosophy. They cannot let go of the desire to use the violence of the state to mold society in the way that they want, to force companies to behave in the way that they want. If dating apps aren't good enough for this person or they're disappointed by it, rather than going and creating a communist dating app and competing, because that's what he's upset with. He's mad because he's you know not matching with any other democratic socialists. Then why don't you just make one? For democratic socialists, I bet you there's some of them out there that can program, and they can probably do that. The number 603-283-6160, but these people aren't doers. They're complainers. Anyway, we'll get to more of his complaints and what his solution is coming up here in moments. You can share your thoughts as well at 603-283-6160. It's Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. You can join us, the number 603-283-6160 with you tonight. It's Ian. It's Bonnie. And Nikki. We're sharing a story from Jacobin Magazine, which is one of the most hard-left socialist publications out there that at least I've ever come across. And the writer is Nick French. You two ladies found him online. You're curious because he's writing an article about his frustration with dating apps and how he wants the government to take over. Now, he hasn't gotten to that part of the story, but that is what this is going to all be leading to. Yeah, and if he he was like really ugly, I was going to just be like, okay, we don't need to read the rest of this article. <laughs> but you said he was actually kind of handsome. He's yeah, average, I guess. He's not mm-hmm. super ugly. The first picture we saw of him was better looking than I found another picture where he is pretty short, not that cute. Definitely my older sister would date him, but not me. Okay, but a short guy, you don't necessarily know how short they are on a dating app, right? So you can't That's really... how they get you. Right. <laughs> right. So that's probably not damaging his chances with uh, the women. But what he said he's frustrated with is that he's not getting matched correctly. He's not matching with other democratic socialists. And so he's upset. And he's upset that these apps are making money, uh, in theory. So we'll go on here from his article at Jacobin Magazine. He says, with roughly one in five Americans having estimated used these dating apps, uh, and at least one study showing it's now the most popular way for straight couples to meet. Sorry, I already read that paragraph. Why we just could, straight couples? I'm pretty sure it's pretty high up there with gay couples, too. I bet you're right about that. Yeah, Grinder. That's like the number one way that most gay people meet, from what I've heard. Uh, let's see here. So he says, we could consciously uncouple our dating lives from the tyranny of the profit motive, though, with publicly owned apps that will democratize how we meet people online. Anyone who's used the dating apps for a minute, and plenty who haven't, probably has concerns about them. One concern, far from unique to dating apps, is about the way the apps collect information and use our data. From what we publish on our profiles to our swiping behavior to geolocation data, the owners of apps like Tinder and Hinge are collecting treasure troves of data on users. But that's all safe with the government. I know, I was about to say, but the government isn't going to do that? They would never use it against you or anything. Oh yeah, of course not. The only reason I'm really concerned about it all is because the government can get their hands on that information. Well, yeah, and let's be clear. 
I don't think any of us are defending the data collection of these companies. We're just saying it's even worse in the hands of the government. The fact is, if the government gang comes to Tinder and says, we want all the info on Bonnie, they'll hand it over. Absolutely. So, I mean, they might as well be arms of the state in that way. With so much data from Internet users having been gathered already, companies actually need to gather relatively small amounts of data to accurately predict many details about users' lives. He says users, of course, have little say over whether or how the companies use their data. It's simply a price of admission for using the apps. Of course, you could always not use the apps and actually ask people out in real life. But, you know, that's another thing. Uh, he says this obviously that, raises. That's so true. He's acting like this is his only his way only to option. get a date. Yep. And if it doesn't get run by the government, then it's just a total injustice. Yes. Well, and that is typical from the leftist perspective. They want to portray certain things in the marketplace as critical, right? Like, oh, this is this is now a utility. We, we have to have these dating apps, and so therefore they can't be in the hands of private companies. They've been making that argument about internet services for the last probably two decades now. As if people weren't surviving Without for it. thousands of years. You yeah. know, it's ridiculous. So that's what they want to do with Internet. They want to make it into this public good, basically, that, you know, in the same way that the city of Keene provides water and sewer, they want local governments to provide Internet to everyone. Imagine they, how slow and crappy it would be. Yes. And boring. This And censored. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this obviously raises concern, he says, about privacy. People have an interest in anonymous strangers not having access to the most personal details of their lives and might understandably be worried about that information getting out. In fact, public leaks of online dating user data are not as rare as users might hope. Maybe the most famous leak affected users of Ashley Madison, the website for married people seeking extramarital affairs, in the wake of a data breach that saw their entire customer base, including names and street addresses, hacked. Two users committed suicide, and that set aside the way dating app companies hand over sensitive personal information to advertisers on a regular basis, potentially even violating privacy laws in doing so. Has this guy never heard about the government agencies who've left laptops on the backs of toilets and things like that and had, you know, access into their systems or passwords on their online systems set to default or whatever? You know, like those stories happen, too. So the idea that governments would somehow be better custodians of data than the private marketplace is absolutely absurd. I think this guy sincerely doesn't think of the government as a group of people because he said you don't want the your information in the hands of uh, random strangers. But he's acting Which is like exactly what government is. <laughs> right. The government is also. No, they're elected strangers. Yeah, that's different. And it's also so funny because I remember when I first started using the internet, at least, the rule was don't put any of your sensitive information on here. Don't put any of your, your real name. Yeah. Don't put your, your personal birthday. information on here. Yep. But nowadays it's just, you know, your medical records are online. Mm-hmm. You have like literally like your bank account information, like everything is online nowadays and people don't get how easy it is for these different servers to be hacked. Yep. Uh, On top of that, he says companies profiting from user data handsomely without compensating users smacks of exploitation. After all, if it's my app use that generates data and therefore profits for the company, aren't I entitled to a share of that value I created? No, you're not. (laughs) No, and the share of the value for you is the fact that you're using the app without paying for it. That's, That's the deal. Uh, And again, if you don't like it that way, then create a socialist dating app where you are sharing your profits, if you can make any, with your users. Good luck with that. Don't use the app and go meet people in real life, but...
that's too hard for some people, especially in New York City. Like apparently, I mean, it's the surely he can go people. to the socialist uh, international meetups in New York. I don't think they're meeting anymore because of COVID. Because of COVID, <laughs> probably this true. Is, <laughs> Even they if can't they, have like real in like real in person relationships anymore. They can only have online Zoom relationships, or else they'll all get COVID and die. Yeah. I think even before COVID, though, I think that these type of people's social skills are so in the toilet, like going and meeting a group of people that are like-minded with them still wouldn't like necessarily result in a date because they'd have to talk to them in person. Similar issues, he says, are raised by most online platforms and services. Dating apps give special rise, or rather rise to special worries, though. Some dating apps let users filter whose profiles they see or might be matched with by race or ethnicity. Understandably, some have argued this feature exacerbates or promotes racial bias, so apps should remove this function. Some have. Well, if somebody is racist, don't you want them not able to bother the pe- people of the member of the uh, who are members of the race that they say they hate well and mm-hmm. also just because you have some sort of preference doesn't necessarily mean you're racist that's also true uh that's a great point point. and what if i have a preference for brunettes over blondes should i not be able to i mean is that the same kind of discrimination because it sounds like it right like we're just talking about preferences as far as appearance here because that's what these apps are going on when Obviously, are... they care about getting you a, a date with a person that you're interested in, yeah. which is counter to what he said earlier. But apparently some apps have removed, uh, you know, filtering by race because... Just because loud, you know, people, people like are this complaining. are complaining. It, it seriously seems completely counter to the thing that they're trying to do because if somebody is like, I want to use Tinder, but I'm a white supremacist and I hate all other races, so I don't want to see those people, you would think that's... Good. That's what you want. Yeah, you don't want them bothering the people who are on there and just, you know, having the ability to match with and harass them. These apps are based on superficial things, right? The whole point of these apps is you look at a person and within less than a second, you decide whether or not you're interested in them or not. And the the app presents you with hundreds of people. If you're in a big city or where, where somewhere with a large population, you just keep on, as they call it, swiping. And then the idea is if two people swipe on themselves without knowing each other, the not knowing because you don't necessarily know that someone has swiped on you unless you pay the app, uh, then you will match with that person. And then the app will let you talk to that person. And then purportedly that would then lead to an actual date. In real life, but it's all based on superficial aspects, and that's okay. That's what people know going into it, and that is what ultimately is attractive to people when they are on the street. If they're in real life, you know, asking somebody out in real life, generally people would only want to ask out someone they found physically interesting to them. So to say that the you know you shouldn't be able to make those choices in the filters. Anyway, he goes on. He says, but even without using user allowing users to exclude matches by race, individual preferences make designing socially just dating algorithms tricky. Since many people do have preferences about the race or ethnicity of their potential partners, app designers have have to decide how to deal with them. Should they cater to racial preferences, try to ignore them, or even override them? And he goes on. He's got uh, some more to say. We'll share that coming up here in moments. Socialists advocating for government takeovers of dating apps. Socializing dating apps. And we'll talk about it more, and you can share your thoughts as well. Your experiences, perhaps. Uh, maybe you met somebody through dating apps, and it worked out for you. Maybe it's been an absolute disaster. If you want to talk about you know, using these things, you're welcome to join us as well. Bring up whatever you want. Also, it's free talk. 
Free Talk Live's video archives have been on Library for years. Library is an uncensorable, decentralized, blockchain-based media sharing protocol, and we're big fans of it here on Free Talk Live. In 2020, Library launched Odyssey, a video sharing website to compete with YouTube, and it's really taking off. Now with over 1 million channels, many of whom are disaffected YouTube creators. During YouTube's crackdown for not towing the government line on COVID, the Free Talk Live YouTube channel started receiving strikes and could be completely taken down at any moment. Thankfully, Odyssey started offering live streaming, so we're now streaming live every night and posting our video archives permanently to Odyssey. You can watch live or anytime on our Odyssey channel by visiting video.freetalklive.com. If you want to go all in, download the desktop app at lbry.com, and then every video archive you watch, you'll help seed and keep it online forever. At minimum, we ask you visit video.freetalklive.com and follow us on Odyssey today. Video.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live, and you're invited to join us here as we continue. Uh, this is hour number two of Free Talk Live. The phone number is 603-283-6160. Jacobin Magazine, one of the most hard-left socialist rags out there, is advocating for socialized dating apps. The government taking over dating apps. Or maybe he's got some other ideas. So we'll get into what uh, the proposals are uh, but this person is upset. Nick French, I think, was his name. Mm-hmm. He's upset because you know he's not getting enough dates with other socialist women, and he's mad because you know private companies are making money off of him. And he's socialists are just incensed anytime somebody makes money in the marketplace. They just don't understand that profit is a good thing. They think it's somehow, you know, indicator of nefarious activity and that it's evil when the reality is unless you're tied in with the government and you get some sort of special favor like a monopoly status or an oligopoly status, meaning basically guaranteeing you business and you don't have to really do anything for it, if you're actually in a marketplace where you're open to competition, you don't make money unless you make people happy. That's just the fact. Whatever industry we're talking about, if your customers aren't satisfied with the service or the product that you're offering, they're going to go somewhere else. And if you're not making money for the app, like you're not a profitable thing for the app, then the app is going to go away and you'll have to go make uh, personal connections in real life again. Well, and you know what? I know a lot of people that use Tinder, Mm -hmm. Bumble, Plenty of Fish, all sorts of different dating apps, and a lot of them have really good luck. Really? So... It, you know, whatever they're using it for, a lot of people that use Tinder are just looking for something more casual or mm-hmm. just hookups or whatever. But from like from the consensus that I get from talking to people, most people are happy with them or they stop using them. So he goes on here. He says in 2016, the app Coffee Meets Bagel was discovered to have taken a particularly high-handed approach, suggesting matches only of users' own race or ethnicity, even when those users had indicated no racial or ethnic preference. The app's co-founder, Dawoon Kang, helpfully explained to BuzzFeed News at the time that even if a user said they had no preference, they probably did in fact prefer to date people of the same race or ethnicity. Well, that's a dumb thing to assume. 
We might ask similar questions about dynamics of class or how to deal with gender disparities in use and match-slash-like frequency. I don't pretend to know how dating apps should answer these questions. Wow, I'm surprised. A socialist who doesn't know how best to uh, to run the apps? <laughs> He says, but it does seem strange that questions about the implications of dating for social justice should be left in the hands of Silicon Valley MBAs, whose ultimate motivation, of course, is to turn a profit. Questions about how to deal with bias or prejudice in dating apps would be far better off as a matter for public democratic deliberation. Sure. So what? Put it to a vote? A public vote as to how Tinder should run its programming? I mean, That'll be, you know, smooth and there won't be any fights about that. It'd be a nightmare. Through, but he does they get specific. They stole my Tinder vote. He does get specific with his vision for what he wants a socialist democratic app to look like. Through online discussion forums or in-person meetings, app users could discuss the potential harms and benefits of allowing certain preference filters or how algorithms should respond to users disproportionately swiping or liking members of certain minority groups. They could then come to a consensus or vote on the best way to proceed. All right, I just figured out this guy's whole problem. He has too much time. You have time to go to an in-person meeting and discuss whether your Tinder app... uh, you know, how it works. How it shows, who it shows up on your page, what race they are. And it's so interesting because we already have a solution for this. The market. There are it, different dating websites and different dating apps, and you just choose the one that best suits you. Done. Well, we already have a solution for this. Yep. And that, that bagel coffee one, that mm-hmm. sounds like something that I wouldn't be interested in if I was dating people. So I think there is also another solution in the market for him. He's got something he wants to see happen, and there's presumably other people who agree with him, right? There's probably some other democratic socialists that would love to have an app that they can micromanage and that they can spend all their time on, as Bonnie pointed out here. The average person, they don't have time for this crap. That's why they're just swiping through and they're done for the day or whatever. They're sitting on the toilet, and then they move on with whatever's important in in their lives. Uh, But if these people want to spend their free time administrating an app, well... They should form a decentralized autonomous organization in the world of cryptocurrency, and then they can, you know, come together. These these things exist where it allows users to actually have a say in how a thing is operating. And the users can spend as much time into this as they want to, or as little time as they want to. They may only come in for the most important votes, or they may come in and argue endlessly on forums and you know other messaging systems with the other people in the app about which direction it should take. And none of the end users have to do anything like this, but the options are there. So the reason why they're not going to do that is because most of these people that have these sort of views, they don't want to get off their butts and actually do something. They just want to complain about it until the government fixes it for them. Well, I'll give him credit. He does, in a little bit here, get to some, you know, potential solutions that don't necessarily involve government, but some of them also involve government. So uh, we'll we'll get into that here. The number is 603-283-6160. He says, some researchers and theorists have argued that dating apps fuel the commodification of relationships and dating or promote to... uh, of relationships and dating or promote certain kinds of self-alienation. The philosopher Axel Honneth, for example, suggests that online dating may encourage users to adopt an artificial stance toward their own mental lives. And then he quotes this philosopher, quote, 
One doesn't need an overactive imagination to picture how online dating platforms might promote a form of self-relationship in which a subject no longer articulates his or her own desires and intentions in a personal encounter, but is forced merely to gather and market them according to the standards of accelerated information forced. processing. I don't know what I just read. Yeah, that was confusing Could jumble of, of figure that words. Kind of like that, that they lose themselves and now they're just an algorithm. They're well, not. You like, know what? The, it's just so weird because a lot of that seems to be like self-discovery stuff, or I don't know exactly what he meant, but. That none of that had anything to do with the dating apps, and nobody is forced to use a dating app. Maybe That's if true. It, it got ran by the government, maybe they would find out a reason that they needed to force everyone to use them. But while it's just in the market, nobody is forced to turn themselves into an algorithm or whatever he was saying. A form of self-relationship in which a subject no longer articulates his or her own desires and intentions in a personal encounter but is forced merely to gather and market them according to the standards of accelerated information processing. I think it's saying basically what I'm saying. He no longer decides for himself what he wants in the process of meeting real people. He's forced to decide that, oh, the algorithm showed me this. I guess it's what I like. But that doesn't sound like an actual dilemma. This sounds like somebody who has too much time on their hands to think about dumb things. It really yeah. sounds like a him problem. Like he's he's putting the blame onto the dating apps, but really that he needs to figure out that stuff within himself. Like that has yep. nothing right. to do with the dating apps. <laughs> like I don't get Like this makes no sense to me because for the time that I did use these apps, in the limited number of instances where I actually was matched with someone and had a brief conversation with that person with the intention, and again, as I pointed out, I wanted to, you know, let's meet, okay, person. For all I know, you're not a real person, right? Like you could be a scam artist. You could be a catfish or as, as they call it, right? So if I don't meet that person in real life within a decent amount of time, I'm not going to waste my time talking to them. They could be trying to, you know, scam me or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I think you were right in your assessment that this guy seems like he's somebody who just wants to chat with people online yeah. more than go on dates. Which is fine, but There's just stop complaining that. about it. Yeah. There are different apps for that, too, though. Like, yeah. go on ICQ if that still exists. But, like, one of the first questions I would ask, especially on an app like Tinder, which is sort of known for being a hookup app, right? Yeah. Where people just meet, have sex, and then that's that. Um, that's not what I was interested in, right? Like, I, I'm interested in finding a relationship. So one of my first questions was, what are you looking for here? You know, because if you're just looking for sex, look elsewhere. You know, go match with, with somebody else. So, like, why would you not want to put your desires and intentions right up front? Yeah. You know, let's get it. Let's get that part done so we can figure out if we should continue to have any kind of interactions. Anyway, there's more coming up here. Uh, he wants to socialize dating apps. You can weigh in as well here on Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live, and you can join us here if you want. The number is 603-283-6160. The hard left over at Jacobin Magazine is calling for socialized dating apps. Now, does that mean they want the government to take over operation of Tinder to nationalize existing companies? Or does he have something else in mind? We'll get to the rest of the story here in moments. Ian, Bonnie, and Nikki in the studio. One of our uh, viewers in our YouTube chat, Kevin from the internet, uh, internet, says, Socialized Tinder? I thought I've heard all of the dumb S out there, but this is reaching for the high bar. Yeah, I have to agree. I was just like, wow, really? These people? I mean, they, they just 
cannot abide people making a little bit of money doing something that obviously millions of people value. These apps are incredibly popular. It is kind of hard to believe that they're being serious. It oh, does. Yeah, this when is you, very serious. When you read the article, it sounds like a joke. Mm-mm. I don't know if the people at Jacobin Magazine ever joke about anything. Uh, I mean, I don't spend much time on the site, but of the times I've gone there, you know, it's always very, very serious socialist rag kind of reporting. I mean, um, we're laughing at it, so I guess it is a joke. Well, to us, it's ridiculous, but that's because we have completely opposite viewpoints of these people. We'll continue with that story here in moments, but Stephen is on the line in Georgia, and you can bring up anything here on Free Talk Live. Go ahead, Stephen. Hey, um, so earlier today, it looks like the Uvalde shooting, all that footage became very public. Uh, I heard. And whereas I wholeheartedly believe it's video on a government-funded facility, therefore it should be accessible to all people. Yep. Like, I, I believe that me and you should be able to call some random jail and get to just watch the inmate, right? It, it's sure. If you're paying for it, you ought to be able to get the footage. That's a little weird, though, isn't it? Where they live. That's different than just going to school. That's where they were kidnapped yeah. and are being held. But. Yeah. Now, just to clarify on the Uvalde shooting footage, are they actually showing footage of the shooting itself or just the dude walking around the hallways and the cops in the, in the hallways? Um. So I'm not I haven't seen all of it, but from what I've heard, there are people that are actually watching kids get slaughtered. Wow. Um, I'm and surprised. One of, the more disturbing, one of the more disturbing things is that a mom, and I don't know how you quote-unquote stumble, but a mom stumbled across um, the slaughtering of her daughter. Oof. That's terrible. I don't, I don't know how you stumble across that. I feel like she probably looked for it a little bit, which I'm not judging her, right? Yeah, I didn't like, even know the stuff was out. I had heard video was out. I did not know the uh, children's actual shootings were released. I did not realize that that was the case. Is there any reason that we, like, I get it. The George Floyd stuff and got several hundred million views, and this is a big issue. I have no issue with the, the snippets I've seen of cops, like, Walking around with a rifle in one hand and a phone in the other, and they're sending pictures to their wife and they're texting their friends. And the like, it's really, I don't want to say funny, but I don't have another word for it. There's a guy taking a selfie of himself and posting it on Instagram, going, I'm a bad mother. Hey, hold on. This is before, this was, you're saying a cop in the hallways of the Uvalde school was just taking selfies while they just stood around for an hour, basically? Calling himself a bad mother word I can't say in your Wow. Oh my god, that's ridiculous. I, I saw a thing today, I didn't know it was something new that was released, but I saw a picture today of a cop in the hallways that was holding a gun and checking his phone and he had a the Punisher was the background on his phone. Oh it's just all God. so ironic, and it, it's crazy that they're posted like, "Oh, I'm a I'm a badass," but they're standing around while children are being slaughtered. Yeah. And and obviously, I don't really believe any of this. I obviously it happened, but clearly they got an order 
to stand, stand around down. and do nothing. They did. Because any sane person, I don't care if you're a cop, I don't care who you are, if you are able to protect children and you are able to prevent people from being murdered, especially if you're a cop and you're protecting and serving, you would do that. Any sane person would yep. stop a child from being murdered. The same well, parents I mean, were trying also, to get into the school. And they, they were trying to arrest them and they, they yeah. pulled that lady away and she had to like sneak into the school to rescue her own children. That and is disgusting. Yep. They were also putting themselves in danger and cops just aren't like you and I. They feel like they're above the average person. They have to make sure they officer safety is first. Right. That's why. Yeah, they have that weird footage, ego. Right. And speaking of officer safety, apparently the footage shows one of the officers like where they're they're way down the hallway from the shooting waiting around. He goes ahead and uses hand sanitizer because, you know, you've got to be concerned about mm. germs in a situation like that. Oh, it's infuriating. <laughs> uh, so, Stephen, uh, what else did you want to say about it? Anything? Um, so I do want to hit two things. One, something y'all mentioned about, quote-unquote, officer safety and following orders. The Uvalde Police Department, um, like many police departments, cites the Uniform Code of Military Justice and a lot of their stuff. And one of the things that they cite is that they are to follow all orders given, all lawful orders given, but to, they have, I forget how they phrase it, but the United States Uniform Code of Military Justice phrases it as you have a God-given responsibility and duty to um, ignore unlawful and immoral orders, which sure. I find hilarious. Yeah, oh, they have discretion, it. right? They have discretion. Um, so they can, if they're ordered to do something that's wrong, they could say no. They're still human beings with a volition and the ability to make choices. They choose to make they choose to just never question. Well, that because is a that's choice a good they've ex- made. It's a good excuse so they can tell themselves, like, I didn't do anything wrong. Right, I was just following fault. orders. Yeah. I was just following orders, and I, I did some. I technically did something wrong, but it, it's not on me. It's, but they're brainwashed. Stephen, uh, you know, since you called in tonight and we're talking about dating apps, have you had any experience with uh, with any of these things? Um, so I'm sitting here next to my girlfriend and we're laughing profusely because we met on Facebook dating. Oh, oh I didn't. I didn't, I didn't even know, know they that had was a thing. But nice. Yeah. Is, is it um, like the? Is it like the other apps where it's you know you have to swipe left or right that kind of thing? Yeah. Okay. Nice. Well, I know some married people that met on Tinder and whatnot. So. And and how long have y'all been together? Uh, about a month. Did you did you date anyone else before you met her on Facebook dating? No. Wow. It's a newer thing, right? Yeah, it's newer. But Sarah, did did you have did we have the option to pick like race and stuff? Um, I think so. We did have the option to pick race. You can go into profile and change things. Okay. Yeah, I, I didn't think we had the ability to choose race, but I guess we can't. I know that we have the ability to choose religion religious mm-hmm. preference. Yeah, I mean as far as I'm concerned, the more choices for people the better. That's that's a good thing. And, and, and if you don't care, just leave it open right and kudos to you guys for you know meeting the on this thing and working it's working out so far so thanks for the call steven i appreciate hearing from you nice that it's working for some that people. did remind me though if anybody other than steven needs it i am still offering relationship oh, advice yeah. over ah. the radio okay yeah if you want to get a question for bonnie uh, feel free to call in of course we're all going to answer it uh if you call in at 603-283-6160 that's 603-283-6160 more on the socialist vision for socializing dating apps uh that's coming up here the jacobin magazine hard left publication 
is weighing in here. And, of course, you can join us as well. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Coming up, a baby's been denied a heart transplant. We'll tell you why that happened. And the government wants to might be trying to force people to change phone chargers. Coming up. It's Free Talk Live. Phones are open here if you want to join us. We've been talking about the people on the left, or at least one guy on the left, who's demanding the socialization of dating apps. We'll get into exactly what he means by that here in moments. With you in the studio tonight, by the way, it's Ian. It's Bonnie. And Nikki. And you can join us over at freetalklive.com. The features are free. We do appreciate our sponsors, of course. Longtime sponsor, probably our longest time sponsor, is Bitcoin.com. If you're ready to start learning about cryptocurrency like Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash, you really ought to get over to Bitcoin.com. Click Get Started at the top of the page, and you can learn the basics about this amazing technology that is coming into, I believe it's into its 14th year of existence. That was uh, Bitcoin was founded in 2009 and you know what you're still not too late it's still early in this whole cryptocurrency phenomenon so take the time to learn the basics click get started at the top of the page at bitcoin.com you can watch some introductory videos there and then you can keep digging as deep into the topic as you want and it is a deep topic so you can scratch the surface and stop there if you want or you know start keep just keep on the process of, uh, of learning keep keep going with it uh, but get started at bitcoin.com click get started as we go to your calls and thoughts wayne is on the line in missouri he's watching us on our twitch feed go ahead wayne hey what's up guy hey what's yeah, on your mind? So i just now tuned in and, and heard you guys discussing like the online dating yeah and like i was telling you uh I have kind of a unique story with that. Uh, during lockdown here, it was pretty bad. I was on the Illinois side right across from here, so it was really bad. Oof. And uh, I didn't have much going on. And one day um, an ad popped up on my like YouTube feed for uh, Prison Pen Pal. And, uh, yeah, I met this chick on there. Oh, I've never heard of this. Out. Prison Pen Pal is like an app? Uh, it's well. I don't know if you want me to plug the site, but yeah, it's basically it was just a a prison website where you could write like people that are locked up for whatever reason. Some okay, of I've heard of that before. Hold, hold on a second before you go on here. I want I've got a couple of questions. This has been going on since before the internet, right? Yeah. There There have been uh, yeah. matching sites for people that are behind bars. That's that's been a thing for a while. But is it but, specifically dating? Well, you can't it's really been that way. You can't really uh, date yeah, a person so, who's locked down. But maybe you right. could. So, you, so there is like they do say what they're looking for on there. Some of them are looking for legal, financial, or a, you know, companionship. Mm-hmm. When they get out, they're looking for companionship. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so now I don't know how it is where you guys are from, but they all have like tablets and stuff, and we're able to text. It was really. It was something. It kept me occupied during lockdown. Let me ask you another question. Okay, so. Are you able to see photos of these people? Or is it like a mugshot yeah. for when they got arrested? Or is it them just posing in their uh, so, their cell? Both. Well, no, there's no mugshot. Uh-huh. So they, they have like um, they have like picture day in, in mm-hmm. most of these prisons. Wow. And a lot of these women, I don't know about the men, but a lot of these women, they have um, like tablets and stuff. And they take photos on their tablets and they can send them to you. Remember, Chris Campbell was able, well, I I mean, he can't talk to you, but I heard from Melanie neighbors that Mm -hmm. Chris Campbell was able to use 
uh, a tablet, but it's well, like a couple hours a day. I know that, uh, so when I was in jail last year after I was arrested for the crypto six charges, I spent two months in jail and I did see inmates, this isn't prison, this is just jail, I did see inmates yeah. with tablets and hmm. uh, my understanding of at least at least in the jail, and maybe it's different in prisons, was that these were just used as, as pacifiers for the inmates, right? So you could, uh, the inmates could pay to watch a movie or the inmates could pay to download music and they had headphones that they could listen to. So it was just a way for the jail to make money and the, to pacify the inmates. But I didn't get the feeling that they would be able to use a text messaging app yeah. Yeah. or, so they, or they take have... pictures of themselves. Yeah, I think in some facilities, people are able to like have their own belonging so they can have like a cell phone that's theirs i don't know if they have access to it all the time but i think things typically get a little bit more like once people are sentenced and they're like serving Uh their sentence people have a little bit more More flexibility yeah exactly that's interesting now now here's another question wayne Uh, is it uh there must be some sort of monitoring right so like these girls probably can't take nude photos of themselves and send those out No, n- nothing like that. Yeah, they 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 read everything. Okay. Actually, mm-hmm. I've had one, I've had one message been uh, denied, kind of like ris- risque, be canceled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Lame. I figured that yeah. that figures. There's somebody at the jail or the prison or whatever who's filtering all of this content. Okay. Wow. Yeah, they they do the same for the the phones and the video visits too. So you uh, go ahead and plug the site. I mean, it's it's a curious thing. I bet there's other people out there that would like to explore this. What's the site? Uh, it's just called writeaprisoner.com. Writeaprisoner.com. Now, you, as the user of the site, are you paying a membership in order to be able to do that? Completely free. Uh, the inmates, they pay like a $30 listing fee or mm-hmm. somebody on the outside does for them and, and they get on there. Hmm. And did and you meet any of the ladies that you were talking to? So I I spoke to two ladies. Uh, I I quickly realized that a lot of the women in there are they're using guys as tricks. But this, <laughs> I talked to this one chick, and she was like straight up with me. She's like, I know a lot of these, you know, are just looking for money. I, she said, I came in here for ten grand. I'm just looking for companionship. And yeah, we. We're still dating uh, since 2019. And when you cool. say dating, you mean she's still in prison and you're still writing her, or you've actually met her and no, she, no, when she she's got out? out? She's out and, and we're together. Oh, nice. awesome. That's, That's awesome. awesome. I'm really glad to hear that that worked out for you, man. Honestly, this whole thing sounds like it's nothing but a good thing. Like, yeah, it's people great. Uh, will be less. People think you know, we're crazy, though. But. Well, whatever. whatever. As long as you get along, that's all that uh, that matters. And I got to agree with you on this, Bonnie. I mean, it's it's so cool to when you're inside a jail or a prison to have anyone at all take the time to write to you. Yeah, it means a, a lot. Really special thing. I and wrote to one it was of a, it was a unique connection too because we only had text and telephone, so you really got to know the person. I mean, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. not very traditional or ideal, but it definitely made us, you know get to know each other way before we actually was ever together physically. Did you pick her up from prison when she got out? Absolutely. Aww, <laughs> that's, that's, so awesome. Cool. that's awesome. That's so cool. I'm glad you called to share that story, Wayne. Was there anything else you wanted to share tonight? Uh, no, I, I'm just, I've been listening for since 2011 off and wow. on. I just tuned in. I'm glad I, uh, 
picked you guys up on Twitch. I didn't know you was on here. And what was it? Writeaprisoner.com? That was the site? Write a prisoner, yeah. All right, very cool. Thanks for the call tonight, man. Definitely appreciate hearing from you. And again, it could just simply be a pen pal. It could, could just be a pen pal thing, right? It doesn't have to be a, you know, a relationship, I don't think. I, having not yet gone to the site to kind yeah, of see how it's pitched. S- sending letters is like kind of... Annoying. I know it sounds yeah, like it first world problems. What but you mean is this would make it easier because yeah. it's online. Yeah. yeah. I wrote uh, one of our co-hosts, Joa's friends, who went to jail for something dumb in Nevada. I wrote to him um, mm-hmm. just to... A like, physical letter? Yeah, a letter. And he wrote me back saying that he jumped for joy for 10 minutes when he got my letter. Wow. Isn't that sad? It's really like, sad. People That's... are just so like cut off from the outside world. Right. It's even horrible. Though, it's torture. Even though he didn't know who you were. Mm. He'd never, you know, heard of you or whatever. You were just somebody who took an interest in spending five minutes or whatever of your life to write something to a, a, a total stranger and I, it made a difference. I drew a picture of my dog Coconut on it and he Aww. said he kept that in his cell. <laughs> oh, that's really cute. That's, that's so cool. That's nice. Yeah, so I, I loved that, that story. That was a really touching uh, story about an online dating thing that it was completely unusual and a real winner. So He said nice. he had a crazy story, so I thought it was going to be bad, but no, I'm, glad was it was nice. good. I'm glad that had a nice ending. That Me was too. good. Yeah. yeah uh, the number here is 603-283-6160. And, and of course, it is important to remember that, you know, there's probably a lot of people that would hear about, oh, prison pen pals, ooh, dangerous. Those people are criminals. But you got to remember, a lot of these people are completely nonviolent yeah. people who've been caught up in some stupid prohibition that they've been locked up for or they were wrongfully convicted or of something else. Or they took a plea else. deal because they were, uh, you afraid. know, afraid. Yeah. And a lot of these folks are going to have absolutely nothing to get out uh, to. So it's certainly understandable that a bunch of them are working to try to get money out of people. So you, I would agree with him. You do have to be careful. Just know that going into it. But that could be true on Tinder as well. Right? It could, you could be meeting a gold digger there. The number is 603-283-6160 or a scam artist. 603-283-6160. At least if you're talking to prisoners, you know what you're getting into. Uh, you can. Uh, we'll continue here with more on the idea of socializing dating apps. That's what the hard left is calling for, apparently. I'll tell you more about it coming up here at 603-283-6160. This is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live, whether you want to talk about the proposal to socialize dating apps, that is what one author at the Jacobin Hard Leftist Magazine is saying, or you can bring up whatever you want. You want to tell a story about your use of dating apps and how it went for you. I just had a guy call in about a site that he says is writeaprisoner.com, said it uh, actually worked out for him. Even though there's a bunch of scammers on there, you might actually find somebody to connect with. It worked for him, apparently, and I think it's a cool idea. Just generally writing people in prison is a really kind thing to do. Uh, But with you tonight, it's Ian. It's Bonnie. And Nikki. We go back to your phone calls and thoughts. Sarah, calling from New Mexico. You're on Free Talk Live. Uh, yes. (laughs) Uh, I want to tell you about the new new essential oils I found on (laughs) snakeoil.com. Really? Tell me more. Yes. The first one, you rub on your boobies, and what it does is it stops you from smoking. Nice. Uh, Does it immediately stop you from smoking? Yes. 
after the first rub on your boobs, it stops smoking every time. Wow, that's pretty impressive. Now, is this a business, Sarah? Are you making money selling this snake oil? Yes, I make 100% of the profits, just like communism should be. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's the other one? Now, the second oil, you simply rub on your buttocks just two times. This one takes two times, but after you do that, there's no, you never will speed in your car ever again. Wow, that's pretty impressive, Sarah. So did you somehow, you said you discovered these oils? Yes. I, well, I did not discover them because I do not know anything about these things or the chemistry involved. But uh, yes, I'm working with a scam company that uh, <laughs> finds, these, finds these oils uh, in in uh, rare rare parts of the woods that most people do not know about. Snakeoil.com. Yes, snakeoil.com. You, you simply rub the second one on your buttocks two times, and you will never speed ever again. Thank you, Sarah, for the call tonight. I appreciate it. I actually went to snakeoil.com just to see what was there. There's actually nothing there. Uh, this, there is a site, apparently, but it's all just a, like a black screen. No. There's no, Maybe it's for no sale. content there. Uh, let's go to Major Payne on the line in Michigan. You're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead, Major. I'm pretty sure she buys her snake oil out of Washington, D.C., as they're the largest producer of it. That's a good point. <laughs> Touche. All right. Um, Cuba. I'm going I'm, I'm to have a little fun with Bonnie here. There's a tale from Jeremiah Johnson, an old oh, okay. mountain man. And near as I know, it's true. Because the this, this base of the story itself is, I mean, there's poetic license that may have been taken or whatnot. But anyway, the story goes that uh, when Jeremiah was a young man, he got off the riverboat, probably in St. Louis, tried to stock up to be a mountain man. He wanted a 50 caliber Hawking, but he could not find one. So he settled for a 30. Well, his first or second winter up there in the mountains, he found a dead man froze to a stump holding a fifty caliber Hawking that he had coveted. Hmm. And on this feller's chest was a note. He says, I be high hatchet jack, being of sound mind and broke legs, hereby bequeath my gun to whatever man finds it. Nice. Lord pray it be a white man. And uh, so he has his Hawking, and a few seasons later he meets an, another fella up there in the mountains, another mad, mad crazy dude. And uh, turns out he knowed Hatchet Jack in life. And they get to discussing because he sees the rifle and, you know, he tells him the story of the note on his chest. And, oh, and, the, and, and the, the note also said, it's a good gun. It killed the bear what killed me. So, okay. Anyway. He had enough he time to write the note before he, he died. A bear attack. Yeah. It, it, I mean, he was a mountain man, but he was littered, so that's something right there. Even if he could only scrawl it in rough letters, he could scrawl it. Okay. But, uh, so anyway, he meets this other dude, and he gets telling him a story about old Hatchet Jack. He says, yeah, he says he lived with a female panther in a cave for two years. That cat never did get used to him. So, what dating advice would you have for a fellow like that, buddy? A guy that lived with a panther <laughs> in a cave? Other than he has to go back to civilization, I should say. Well, that's what I was going to say. He should leave the cave and go back to civilization. You mean you yeah, don't think yeah, he could I, convince uh, his new date to come back to the cave with him and meet his cat? Oh, God. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> well, Sometimes never heard that before. No matter, 
Sometimes, no matter how nice you say here, kitty, kitty, that pussy just ain't going to be friendly. Thanks for the call tonight, Major. The number is 603-283-6160. I mean, the whole point of being a mountain man is to go off on your own, right? Like, you grow the beard out all the way. You, you know, you don't take very many showers. You're out building your, you know, your house or whatever. He could in the go to civilization, find someone who wants to be a mountain woman, and take her yeah. back in homestead. Yeah, could be. I don't know where where do you find a lady that mountain wants woman? to be a mountain woman? Mountainwomenmeet.com. <laughs> Maybe like Oregon or something. <laughs> uh so we've been talking about dating apps off and on throughout the show here tonight and uh, what spurred this conversation is an article from Jacobin magazine which is a hard left uh magazine online that uh, Rick what the heck's this guy's name? Uh Nick French. French. Yeah. Nick French is saying that dating apps need to be socialized because he's offended that somebody is making money off of other people trying to find love. Because the government doesn't make money. He says here, with such serious and potentially damaging impacts of these apps, we shouldn't leave it up to profit-driven dating company execs to decide how to deal with these implications. That these companies are ultimately motivated by the bottom line brings us to the fundamental problem with for-profit dating apps. There's little reason to expect the interests of the app owners to align with the interests of its users. Except for the fact that it has to, to some extent. I mean, this is that's this is one of the big disconnects with the socialists out there, is they don't understand how the marketplace works. They think that everybody into it is out to take advantage of somebody. And the thing they don't... One of the, the fundamentals about a free market, and again, we don't have a free market, but a relatively free market, is that every interaction is a win-win interaction for the people engaging in it. And again, I'm excluding monopoly statuses right because monopolies can be granted by governments they use the force of of in the threat of violence to enforce that monopoly so you know the cable company or the power company people have terrible experience with those and there's no other option because the government forces that situation on us but in a situation where you have choice you when you go out and spend money on a thing whether it be buying a hamburger or buying a subscription to a dating app You're doing that because to you, the $10 that you're spending is you're willing to give up that $10 in return for the thing that you're getting. You think the thing that you're getting is worth more than holding on to that $10. And the person selling you the hamburger or the person selling you the dating app, they think that the $10 is worth more than not doing the thing that they they were doing for it, right? So everybody in that transaction comes out with what they wanted from that transaction and that's ultimately a good thing now you can quibble on the price if you want to you can say oh well, that costs too much well then don't buy it try and to find an option that's ultimately cheaper. that person who's selling it for too expensive is gonna change their prices if they can't sell what they're selling if for enough the price. people don't buy it yes that's correct so they have to find the right price that gets them the most amount of customers through the door uh and again in a especially in the world of software it's an open competition you can go and create a thing and it sounds to me like this guy is really unique like i've never heard anybody complain that they couldn't find anyone on tinder honestly like i've never heard anybody complain this like i can't find anyone i like on tinder Uh, i've i don't know i've never heard anybody in at least like a city complain that well i will say this i only ever went on one date from from tinder and i was on there for probably a couple years oh well Excluding to, um, Tokyo. I did go on one in Tokyo, but I don't count that. Well, in 
in Keene, New Hampshire. That's yeah. I, I it I blows my mind how Arya can have so many you know <laughs> encounters. Arya's not looking for a relationship. Number one, she's uh, she's that just probably makes it much easier. That's true. Yeah. And I suspect her preferences are a little looser than mine, but I don't know. Um, anyway, what matters to the owners, he says, that users is that users continues to use the app so it can show them more ads and convince them to buy premium features or subscriptions. It's probably not a coincidence that Tinder, like other apps, in many ways resembles modern slot machines. Its mechanics and visual and audio cues are designed to get the user to keep playing, even the absence of a real payoff. The fundamental problem here isn't just that the apps are bad at matching users with long-term partners. Many people don't use the apps to find long-term partners, and some apps are designed for casual dating or hookups. Nor is the issue that the apps are particularly unpleasant to use, although many users do love to complain that they are awful. The most basic problem, he says, is that the terms on which we meet our partners, serious and otherwise, are increasingly being dictated arbitrarily and opaquely by corporate actors whose motivation is very different from you that can of always the users. Go outside. He says, We want love, they want money. There's more coming up here in moments. Hour three is on the way on Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, and the phones are open here. We're kicking off the third hour of the show with you tonight. It's Ian. It's Bonnie. And Nikki. And you can join us online, of course, at freetalklive.com. We do have a social media site, and you can interact with the other Free Talk Live hosts and listeners there at social.freetalklive.com. That's social freetalklive.com We've been talking about, speaking of social things, dating apps and some people's disappointment with them. But not only is the author of this article at Jacobin Magazine disappointed with his experience with dating apps, Nick French, but he wants them to be socialized. He thinks that the government can help this situation. And we'll get into his specific proposals there uh, right around the corner here in this story. Uh, but uh, we're going to continue with your phone calls and thoughts. The real Sarah in New Mexico is on the line. Go what ahead. What do you mean? Sarah. Uh, the real, the real, do you say socialist? Well, you are a socialist, but I Why? said the real Sarah. Oh, yes, I, I just have to explain what's going on here in Albuquerque that mm-hmm. um, this year we had Seven dumpster trucks uh, caught on fire. Dumpster trucks? Yes. Seven? Why? Seven? Yes, because last one, they found that somebody threw out an oxygen tank into the dumpster. Oh, no. So they've been advised not to put in batteries, car batteries, rechargeable batteries, ammonia, bleach, Mm. and ashes from barbecue pits. Um. Yeah, I guess they just need some uh, common sense, so-called common sense. So, so if you combine car batteries and the other things you talked about with oxygen tanks, it could be go boom. Right when they when they turn it, and uh, when it turns, so they they've been also putting they've been oh uh, yeah because they squish it down the crushing action of the the trucks. Well, even just the oxygen tanks alone, if those undergo a lot of heat or pressure, Mm -hmm. they will explode. They're very flammable and very combustible. Yeah, and it's summer in New Mexico, so yeah. Yikes! So seven of them, and how long in a or how long of a period did seven of these things catch fire? 
I think I was told in like uh, one year wow. uh, since this year. So what does that mean? Starting January? Are they counting um, 12 months back? I do not know exactly. Either way, it's a lot. Now, what about it, um, yeah. essential oils? Do you have to put those in the garbage or is there a certain disposal procedure that's necessary with those? The essential oils, I think the, they're natural products. They, it's small quantities, so that's not mentioned. That's true. Yeah, it's probably just a few milliliters yeah. per bottle, right? All right, right Sarah. Right. Well, uh, I guess thanks for sharing the story about the uh, you know garbage recommendations from Sarah. Definitely appreciate it. Uh, the number here is 603-283-6160. You can continue uh, bring up whatever you want here on Free Talk Live. So Yeah, I couldn't think of anything related to like communism to bring up to her about that. Well, and we can't ask her about dating apps because she's not on the internet. So <laughs> otherwise, yeah. otherwise I would have asked her if she has had any experience with those. And she's uh, currently living in a trailer with an older gentleman, so she's she's taken for mm. the moment, as I understand it. So again, 603-283-6160. So back to the story here from Jacobin Magazine. He's put out his complaints so far in the story. He doesn't like the fact that people are making money off of dating apps. He thinks it could be done differently. And so he's going to get into his solutions here. Don't we want to understand how this crucial aspect of our experience is being shaped? And dating apps. We, yeah. Have some say in how it's shaped? If you think so, then we should work towards socializing the dating apps, bringing them under collective democratic ownership. What might that look like? It doesn't necessarily mean establishing a government-run national dating service or taking Tinder under state control. I'll give him credit for that. How could it mean anything else other than those two things? He's going to explain that. Uh, in the coming paragraphs. But I got to give him a little bit of credit. I wasn't expecting that when I got this far in the story. I thought for sure he's just going to take the easy way out and say, oh, well, have the government take it over. But he does get a little bit more creative to his credit. He says, what might that look like? It doesn't necessarily mean establishing a government-run dating service. Okay, uh, so digital platform scholar James Muldoon has argued that many digital platforms ought to be democratized and liberated from the profit motive. But what exactly this platform socialism looks like would differ from platform to platform. We could democratize dating through the creation of online dating co-ops in which users and workers would collectively own and control their platforms. This approach would allow users to take control back from unaccountable investors and CEOs while preserving the diversity of the dating app ecosystem and avoiding unnecessary bureaucracy. Honestly, why would you want to have to work for every single company that you get a product from? Like, why would I want to have to help code a dating app just because I'm using it using it, or, or even just decide things for it? Why would I want that over, oh no, giving somebody money? Well, doesn't sound like a solution to me. (laughs) You wouldn't. But maybe there are people out there that would want that. And if that's the case, as long as they're not doing it through the threat of violence through the government, I say, have at your co-op. I say that, too, but I'm just saying. Now, the fact is, when you look at co-op owned businesses, a lot of them are dramatic failures. Uh, There was I think there was like a co-op restaurant out in Brattleboro and I don't know if they closed their doors. I don't know what has happened with them. There was a place in Boston that that tried this, and they were sort of notoriously slow. Like, you'd order a sandwich, and it would take a half an hour to come out. The so, co-op 
grocery store here is the most expensive grocery store around. I don't know if that... Yep, that's a fact, too. Is uh, why. Now, maybe there are some co-ops out there that are really snappy and efficient. I don't know. I, I don't have much experience going to cooperative-owned or employee-owned or whatever uh, situations. But there's no reason why this couldn't work in theory. And... You know, some people. It kind of sounds like the DAO thing you were talking about. The decentralized autonomous organization is kind of. I wouldn't describe it as democratic socialism. I mean, necessarily. It's just a way of organizing that's different from the standard corporation uh, that allows people to get involved if they want to. And this guy sounds like he wants to be involved, and there may be other people like that. So let's go on here. But of course, what he would probably object to is that uh, decentralized autonomous organizations are usually sort of created utilizing a cryptocurrency token of some sort and these people hate money so they're yeah. probably not going to go that direction and they've now been brainwashed to believe that cryptocurrency is bad for the environment yeah even though the decentralized autonomous organization would actually work perfectly for what he's proposing and and this is just me saying this from sort of the outside of having seen a few of them here and there like they have voting systems and many of them have are probably open source. So you can probably just copy their voting system that some other project is using and then use it to roll up your own uh, democratically owned socialized Tinder or whatever. And then all of the tools, basically, what I'm saying is all the tools to run these DAOs have been developed already. So you don't have to reinvent that wheel. Anyway, he goes on. He's uh, talking about the, the the co-ops in which users and workers could collectively own and control their platforms. This would allow users to take control back from unaccountable investors and CEOs. Uh, he says an app's users and developers could become the app's co-owners as well, with the size of one's ownership share being adjusted, for example, to the length of time one has been a user or developer. That's a so, terrible idea. So they would still have to pay for it. Where previously, like you just use Tinder for free unless Mm -hmm. you want to upgrade to the. It just doesn't make any sense to me. I don't get how this would be better than how most apps are already being run. Well, it would be different. I don't know if it would be better. Uh, I don't think that giving somebody a greater ownership simply because they've been around longer is a good idea. Necessarily. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to me. Um, it would seem like sounds like a pyramid scheme. Yeah, it would sound like if they're actually contributing, maybe they should have a greater ownership. Or in the case of the decentralized autonomous or- organization, those that have the most tokens have the greatest voting power in and those systems. You would think so for a dating app to work. Typically, you're going to use it, find a partner, and then not use it and anymore, then correct? Yeah. yeah, so why do you want to keep owning this? That's that's what I was saying. Yeah. That's another good point. I don't think I wonder if he's even thought through this that far. Is like why would people continue to be interested in this thing after well, it's, it's done its job? Well, it sounds like he's never gotten a date from any <laughs> you know any of these, so he probably just forgot that like, that's part of it. That's a good point. He well, feels like he'll always be there. It goes yeah. back to us saying that it seems like he's just using this to chat with people, and also that he has a lot of time on his hands. There's more coming up. A little bit more about his vision for how this could work with and without government, because he's going to come back to the government. He oh, of course, he ain't done with the government involvement here in this thing. There's more on the way. This is Free Talk Live, and you can join us at 603-283-6160. It is Free Talk Live, and the phones are open if you want to join us. The number here is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. 
can join us online anytime you want. Just go to freetalklive.com. You can follow us, by the way, on our Odyssey channel. That is where you can watch the show live and later on anytime you want, going back for some number of years over at video.freetalklive.com. Here tonight, you've got Ian. And Bonnie. And Nikki. We've been digging into this socialist opinion over at... Uh, Jacobin magazine by a gentleman who is arguing that there should be socialized dating apps. He's tired of all these people making profits off of helping people meet and hook up and go on dates and possibly go and get into relationships. You know, the work they do. Yeah. He thinks that, no, no, let's cut the profits out and let's socialize things. Well, he does, to his credit, sort of blow off the idea of putting it under the control of the government. Because maybe he realizes the government is, as he does point out here, unnecessarily bureaucratic. Now, so if there's a little bit of credit that he deserves, that's the little bit that he's going to get from me. Because then he does end up going downhill after describing what could possibly work. He describes this idea of like a co-op or a, an employee-owned or or sort of you know participate a participant-owned network or or app that uh, users and programmers or whoever could be involved in. They could own a share in this somehow, and he kind of speculates aloud about you know what that might look like. So let's go on. He says. These shares would entitle users to votes of a certain weight in making decisions about the app's function and management. That would include important choices about what sort of information users provide in their profiles, for instance, and how the algorithm deals with ethically fraught preferences. Users could collectively deliberate about the possible impacts of different choices from the perspectives of social justice. That's automatically more bureaucracy than just the way the apps are now so why is he even saying oh well the government's too bureaucratic i mean do you really need people arguing about every little detail and i have to wonder of any given amount of people in any app whether it's tinder or whatever what percentage of them actually wants to get involved in the administration of the app itself it's probably very very low it's got to be less than one percent oh absolutely less than one percent most people do not have time to care about what Tinder is doing on the back end. And I, I really feel like most people who are using Tinder, it's working for them, you know? So, yeah, and they just don't really do. care that much. Like, nobody really cares about, like, the ethics of Tinder and whether or not they're making money. That's just people are using it for its purpose as a dating app, getting dates, and if it doesn't work for them, they delete it or yeah. or whatever. Like, people don't care that much yeah if they were to, if they do go through with this and they probably won't because they're lazy but if they do actually you know create some sort of social democratic uh dating app then if they want it to be a success they're going to have to have it act like every other app on its face and then there'll have to be some sort of thing of like hey do you want to help us make decisions for the app click here and you can join our little arguing club where you can argue over whether or not to allow people to filter by race or to allow people to filter by hair color or whatever and there will be some people who do want to do that there are people who have opinions about the way certain things should be run and whether there's enough of them to actually build an app off of it i don't know well and you know what i don't think it's going to be a very good app because, oh, it probably will be terrible. Because apps and, you know, different social media websites, they have a whole marketing team, right? So yes. they do a lot of research and these people are professionals. This is what they do for a living. Right. They're experts in this. And it, it takes a lot of effort to 
to curate an app and, and to to do all of the research that's necessary to make a good and effective app. Well, so if plus, you just have people arguing and voting on, oh, well, you're not allowed to filter out races and your preferences and this, that, and the other thing, it's not going to be what the majority of people want. And all that work is why I was pointing out that these people deserve to get paid. How could you think that these people don't deserve to get paid? Well, no, they're not saying they would do it for free. He gets into that. Hmm. He says here, each user user owner could pay a subscription fee to fund the app and pay its employees users and developers could democratically decide how high to set the subscription fee with the goal being not to maximize profits but to raise enough revenue to invest in creating the best possible dating experience i I, seriously i don't get it because if he doesn't want people making money off an app but he just came up with an idea where people will get paid they won't get paid a lot okay but I know, like, what's the big difference here? (laughs) Now poor people are excluded from this app because maybe most poor people can't afford to pay for every app when they could just meet someone in real life. Well, that's another issue with these types. He probably came from money. He doesn't Mm. understand the value of a dollar. He doesn't understand that some people don't have money Mm. to pay for subscriptions and to invest in companies And then he just wants to pretend like, you know, he's like a Bernie Sanders type. It's like, you've been rich your whole life, but you want to act like you're for the working class. Don't one of his buddies have a Sanders shirt on in one of the pictures? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. (laughs) Freed from the imperative to deliver value for shareholders, cooperatively run apps could do away with premium subscriptions, add-on purchases, like paying to boost your profile's visibility or paying for extra likes. And annoying or and annoying in-app advertisements. The co-ops could also institute collectively agreed upon policies around privacy and data sharing. They would no longer need to exploit user data to sell to third-party companies. But without the lure of lucrative profits drawing large investments, these dating cooperatives may find it hard to raise adequate funds from subscriptions alone. Here's where the state would have an important oh, role to play. Yeah, coming in at the very end. You mean the taxpayer? Uh-huh. <laughs> In providing public funding for the development of cooperatively owned dating apps. So that's where he wants the state to be involved. He doesn't want the state to run the app. Just fund it. He just wants money from the state. He wants a bunch of annoying people who have all these super strong opinions about how a dating app should be run ethically to run it. And then the government to steal from people to make it actually work. What really doesn't make sense to me is the the hypocrisy of this, because these type of people, they always complain about how there's not enough tax money for health care. And, you know, they Mm. they want to fund the schools and do all these things. There already isn't enough money for the schools and the hospitals and the libraries and all these other things. But they want to fund a dating app. Well, that they just, just seems, tax people more. Well, it just <laughs> seems so insignificant. Well, but it would just be a small amount, Nikki. I mean, it's not going to be a big deal. Plus, I mean, I could make that argument pretty easily. Like, oh, yeah, just trim a little bit off the military budget and, you know, plenty of money to, to give to uh, to a dating app. I'm not I'm not arguing for that. I yeah, think the military course, should but... be abolished entirely. Uh, but regardless. I don't know. This guy probably supports going into Ukraine oh, and fighting does. for oh, the democracy course, yeah. there. Most or whatever. guaranteed he does. Uh, but these people believe that, you know, if there's not enough taxes, you just raise taxes, right? Just, just pull, pull more money in or, or print yeah. it out or, or whatever. Uh, but the other thing is, like, how many times has government handed out money with no strings attached? So, Never. 
Like, even if his model gets put together and he manages to get public funding, you know there's going to be some kind of strings attached to that money coming from the government, but I'm sure he won't care about that. He says the idea isn't as outlandish as it might seem. After all, in the United States, governments already fund many cultural institutions for the benefit of their citizens' quality of life. Museums, the arts, research in the humanities, public parks, even nightlife. All things, I don't think that the government should pay for any of those things, but all those things even are more important than a freaking dating app. There's more coming up here in moments. You can join us. 603-283-6160. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, and you can join us here. The number is 603-283-6160 here in the studio tonight. It's Ian. And Bonnie. And Nikki. We are sharing with you a story from Jacobin Magazine, which is a hard left publication by a guy who is just not happy with his dating prospects. His name is Nick French. He apparently lives in probably New York City, I think, didn't you say? Well, his yeah, Twitter is like Nick French in YC. Yeah. He is a, uh, you know, a self-proclaimed democratic socialist, and he wants to meet more socialist ladies. And he says that, uh, you know, Tinder and these other online dating apps are just not cutting it for him. Uh, whether it's the algorithm that he disagrees with or it's matching capabilities. Or it's the fact that there just aren't hot socialist democratic women. <laughs> he wants to uh, do something differently. He wants the government to get involved. Now, he does, to his credit, purport uh, an idea of a co-op or cooperatively owned business that would create an app and allow users to be co-owners in it sort of like a co-op grocery store and of course bonnie as you pointed out the co-op store in town here in Keene is the most expensive grocery store in the area Mm -hmm. uh and he he admits that maybe they wouldn't be able to get enough revenue from their users in order to cover their operating costs so that's where the government can come into play And he does excuse this by saying, well, look, the government's involved in many cultural institutions in funding things like public parks, museums, the arts, research in the humanities, even nightlife. And I thought, nightlife? Yeah, I didn't catch that one at the end of what you were saying last time. So I went to the, he he links to the nightlife. So of all the things that he mentions, nightlife is the only one he links to. Because that's the most unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. What is, huh? Okay. So it's New York City, of course. Yeah, of course. And they have something called the Office of Nightlife. That's horrible. I just feel like that's now, crazy. Course, <laughs> New York City is one of the biggest big government cities out there. So I guess we shouldn't be surprised at this. But there is, uh, let's see, September of 2017 is relatively new. The mayor at the time, Bill de Blasio, signed legislation to establish the first ever Office of Nightlife. Nothing says I love to light money on fire, yeah, <laughs> like the Office bureaucrats. of Nightlife. <laughs> uh, so according to the story here, the formation cements New York's position as a global leader in a growing movement of more than 40 major cities around the world working to proactively manage life at night. Is that like when they close the 
bars and stuff and have cops walking around them during COVID. And but you have aren't to be they sitting- open until like 5 a.m. in New York City? Like, don't things just not close there? I'm pretty sure you can keep a bar open all night there. But yeah. I, could be, I could be wrong about that. Uh, although the Office of Nightlife is not a reporting or enforcement agency, they're committed to working with nightlife operators, workers, performers, patrons, and residents to address their challenges. Working with our partner agencies across city and state government, the Office of Nightlife is committed to promoting safe spaces and social justice, protecting grassroots cultural spaces, streamlining red tape and regulations, working with agencies to develop recommendations that help to ensure fair and proportionate enforcement and advancing quality of life for all New Yorkers. How Why? is that not regulation? They're, they're ensuring fair... You know, you know what it is? You know why it's not regulation? Because they're probably not actually doing anything. Hmm. Yeah, they work no. with the regulators. They work with the enforcement agencies. So what it sounds to me is... They're like a middleman? Yeah, they're completely... You know, as though all the other bureaucracies weren't unnecessary, this one is certainly unnecessary. It sounds to me like if you are in the nightlife business... And you have an issue Challenge. with some sort of, I don't know, maybe it's your competitors across the street who, you know, they're not getting visited as often by the health department. And you want to complain about that, hmm. but you don't want to complain to the health department. You can go to the office of nightlife and complain about it there or something. I don't know. Maybe they're just going around drinking at all the clubs and calling it a, a job. All I know Who knows is what the reality is of this. The beginning of COVID, right before the clubs shut down and they just had cops walking around them and they forced you to sit at tables with a mask on. We were just like, let's get the F out of here. It sounds awful. Government involved in partying. Not cool. Buzzkill. <laughs> Definitely. So he points out here that dating apps, again, this is him making his pitch for why government money should be uh, funding his vision for a social uh, socialist dating app. He says, dating apps are increasingly important avenue for a central experience of being human. Is it, though? Can you believe <laughs> that? That's crazy. Nikki here has lived her whole life. Yeah. And she's engaged. And she never Without used using a, dating apps. D- yeah. I mean, I can't even believe it. You're just not a human, Nikki. I know. I not, must not be. I must be an alien. If you're not a dating app, you're not a human. What? He says it makes sense for the government to devote public resources to them. In fact, he says, to make his pitch even harder, some countries are already paying to set up their own dating services. And then he links to a couple of stories about this. Guess which one of the countries is doing China. This? You got it. <laughs> The Singaporean government's Ministry of Social and Family Development has a webpage devoted to helping the uncoupled find partners. Well, why wouldn't they want to control you from the time your parents met till preschool, uh, you know, controlled by the government till all the rest of your life? Right. Originally, they would arrange marriages. Hmm. And now the government's going to control who you can date. That's a good point. It advertises a government-run online dating portal, officially accredited dating agencies, and a partnership fund, which, quote, supports ideas and initiatives that you are passionate about to create opportunities to bring singles together, unquote. These government initiatives admittedly do have an ulterior motive they're trying to reverse sharply declining birth rates still these programs show and japan was another one of them by the way uh these programs show that there's nothing particularly strange or novel about publicly funded dating 
And finally, he says, Corey Robin once wrote that, quote, the point of socialism is to convert hysterical misery into ordinary unhappiness. That doesn't sound good. What? The point of what? <laughs> Sorry. How? I'm telling you, this has to be a joke. He can't this be is not serious. A joke. This is real. Like Jacobin Magazine <laughs> just, is a leftist publication. It is hard like, left. The point of socialism is to make everyone miserable and everything terrible. And we love it. Well, I've never even seen a socialist be so brazen as to admit something Can you read like it that. again? Sorry. Yeah, it, it definitely deserves being read again. <laughs> this is according to someone named Corey Robin. Quote, the point of socialism is to convert hysterical misery into ordinary unhappiness. What? So, wow. I can't believe he's saying that. He says that goes for socializing online dating, too. It Why is do- hysterical misery worse than unhappiness? I I mean, both of those things are bad. He says it wouldn't do away with the frustration or disappointment that many people experience on the apps or in dating more generally, but it could be an important step toward making a dating experience that's about people instead of profit. Then we could swipe, not to create wealth for the capitalist class, but for the simple and essential purpose of finding a date. Did he tell his therapist about this? (laughs) We've got someone puking in the background here in the studio. Wow, oh, man. So that's where this guy wants to go. He wants to go to government funded, if not government mandated or government controlled <laughs> dating cooperatively owned apps. I want, he, he, I, oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> he says, uh, you know, the other I mean, the governments that are doing it now. Yeah, they do have one ulterior motive. It's, you know, because they they want to reverse um, declining birth rates. Right. But he doesn't think they could ever have another ulterior motive. Mm-hmm. It's like they might want to control you. Oh, From that's the time a guarantee. That you're, you know, a zygote. Yes, you're allowed to date this category of person, but you're, you know, what well, they got the uh, the Chinese social credit scores, right? So yeah, what if one day you can't date anyone if you can't prove that you met them off? The, uh, didn't you, you know? You can't prove that you met them off the state. Oh, app. that would be so mm-hmm. weird. You could have dating enforcement agents going around demanding that you show that you met this person on the government dating app. That's a really crazy idea, Bunny. It's probably that's probably where it's going. Uh, but so for now, at least, this guy, thankfully, is not in charge. And the, uh, the, the marketplace is still allowed to operate. He's just some miserable, dateless, uh, yeah. maybe like five out of ten. A whiner. And that's what these socialists are. They're lazy. They don't want to do anything themselves. He doesn't want to start this organization. He wants somebody else to do it for him. More coming up here in moments. This is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live, and you can join us in these remaining moments. There's enough time for you if you want to jump on the lines at 603-283-6160. If you want to weigh in on the commie dating apps or the self-proclaimed socialist Democrats who want to have their co-op-owned dating app, like, what's holding y'all back? Well, there's still not going to be hot girls on it. Probably not. Well, that's the other thing is, like, when you're starting up a dating app, it's chicken or the egg right like how do you get the users in to actually have people to date if you're starting from zero that's a that's a challenge in its own right when people go any of them sign up for their driver's license one day they're gonna have to sign up for the right dating app for them the government mandated socialist dating app 
either democratic socialist or regular socialist, and then they have to join one of those two dating apps. You know what? That said, though, if they actually do follow through with this, and I, I don't predict that they will because they're mostly lazy, but if they actually do create like some sort of co-op dating app where you can get involved in the administration of the app and be a part owner in it, uh, then I, I wish them the best. Well, I hope that they don't get a government funding for it. I was going to say, he still said that the government's going to be necessary, even in that route. And I feel like that it, if they did do that, the leftist media would be all about it. Like, they would get a ton of free publicity. So as far as getting the ball rolling and getting people to actually try their app, I bet you they'd get a whole lot of news media coverage. Like, oh... Co-op taking on Tinder, you know, like the the whole little guy versus mega corporation thing. They could totally roll with that, and and possibly they'd have a chance. You but. still wouldn't be able to tell if anybody was hot until you met them in real life, because they'd well, all course. be wearing masks, right? <laughs> Even then, they'd still be wearing a mask in real life, so you still wouldn't wouldn't know. Mm. Uh, all right, so, so you, you got married, I guess. Bring up what you want. Let's go to the phones here. Unscreen caller calling from looks like the Orlando area. Go ahead. Hello. Hey, you're on the air on Free Talk Live. Oh, wow. I didn't think I was actually going to get on. That's great. Here you Thank are. You so Go much. ahead. What's on your mind? Uh, yeah, my name is Jack. Well, first of all, I wanted to say you guys got a bunch of callers named Jack, which is weird. Um, other than that. Well, here you are. If you had noticed that, first of all. Yeah. What's, well, well, there's really only one guy. Yeah, he so, just calls a lot. So you're the other Jack. Oh, okay. I thought you had a bunch of different Jacks. Okay, you're the, I, he's the Jack in Washington. You're the Jack on the other side of the country. So I think there's <laughs> another Jack, too, right? I don't know. Maybe not. Yeah, there's a few. Okay. Well, apparently Jack anyway, pays more um, attention to that than I do. So go ahead. <laughs> Well, yes, uh, being a jack. Indeed. Uh, anyway, yeah, I just wanted to, I, I have a, a question about, um, what do you think about, with all the cr- different cryptocurrencies coming out, the fact that cryptocurrency, um, the thing that makes it so great is that it's scarce, mm-hmm. right? With Bitcoin, there's only 21 million. Right. But um, if you have a bunch of different cryptocurrencies coming into the market, how, how is the market going to react to that? What, do you, what are your thoughts on that? Well, it seems pretty clear to me is that if you create a cryptocurrency, and anyone can, because remember, the, the code for Bitcoin is completely open source. You can just copy the code tonight if you know what you're doing, and you can make a, your own cryptocurrency. But that doesn't mean it's going to be worth anything. Just because you right. put something out there doesn't mean the market is going to care about it. And indeed, if you look at the history, like we're talking about a 14-year history now almost, uh, you can look at the history of the altcoins, and many of them have died completely. There have been thousands, likely, of coins at this point that have come and they've gone. And there are thousands in existence today. If you go to sites like CoinMarketCap and CoinGecko and you scroll down that list, once you get down below 100 or 200, you start getting you know, into the completely insignificant category of coins that barely exist, barely have any uh, volume. If you look, an important thing to look at is 24-hour volume. How much of this coin has been purchased and or sold in the last 24 hours? If it's like $10,000 worth, you're not talking about a real uh, heavy-duty hitter or anything like that. So uh, it doesn't matter how many coins people crank out. It's not going to dilute the value. Yeah, it's not going to steal any value out of the existing coins unless they do something different and noteworthy, and then they may actually add value to the entire uh, coin marketplace. Yeah, people can still buy coins with fiat dollars. So people who only have fiat dollars are still getting in for the first time. It's early. Does that answer right, your question? Right. Yeah, I think so. It, it's it's really. I guess we don't really know the economics of it yet completely because it's so new. Mm-hmm. But um, as as these uh, new cryptocurrencies are developed, 
we'll see the the good ones rise to the top yes. and the bad ones, you know, fall to the bottom. So I think that's you just got to be really smart. You know, right right now I've kind of been speculating. I don't really know a whole lot about the coins I'm investing in. Mm-hmm. Um, I just kind of know the basics about them, and I'm looking at like the number of coins that they have out there. Um, if there is any utility at all, and I'm investing in those ones. So hopefully, you know, I'm I'm real down right now because I started investing at like the peak of the the market. Yeah, uh, about a year ago. So it'll come yeah, back. I'm yeah, sure. Really, Hang in there. Yeah, hold on for the Eventually, ride. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, see what happens. And then the you know the thing is, you can look at the utility all you want. The reality is, the at least so far, the market hasn't really seemed to care about that. Yeah. Uh, Monero. You know, Mon- well, Monero is useful That's and it has saying. utility, and but it's, it's not as you know valuable as Bitcoin. Yeah, but it's like number thirty or whatever. If you look at the the top uh, coins, Dash is I think at around eighty or ninety, and it used to be number five. Well, so just because something's in the top ten, keep this in mind. Just because something's in the top ten right now doesn't mean it's going to be there in another year yeah, or three. Look at, look right, at Dogecoin. That's why I like the small the small market cap ones, the ones with the the very small market cap because they have the most potential to. To explode, grow, but then they could also just stagnate and stay yep. there forever. So. Well, and and that's where the rule comes in of don't put in anything you can't afford to lose. So if you've got some exactly. extra money, you can you know that you'd rather spend on this than a you know a case of beer or whatever, then you know, put it into some cryptos and see how it goes in the future. And and maybe you'll hit it big. You you just never know. And to go back to your original question, whichever ones falls to the bottom and whichever ones go to the top, it's really up to the market. And I don't think there's anything bad about even if bitcoin suddenly started being you know way less valuable i don't think that the government should come in and rescue people who lost money off of it if that's Mm -hmm. what you're asking definitely not Mm. no definitely not jack anything else you want to share tonight uh i mean uh, real quickly is uh i mean i i I love this i love the show i love you guys uh i've been listening probably for like 10 years now wow um the only thing i the only qualm i would have with you guys is that you tend to be i mean and i can understand where you're coming from like you're very critical of the status and and i understand that and i am against the state as well but we got to realize like we all started from one we all started as status basically like we grow up as a status so we got to be very like well i mean i'll go further back i mean i don't think people people are born status they have to learn how to be a status yeah i think people are naturally born anarchists yeah well but the thing is that we're indoctrinated by our public education to believe that the state is you know that's true and all this so we, I think we need to be a little bit more understanding of like, these people are not evil. They're just like, this is the way that they've been programmed. And so we need to help yeah, well, program them and come from a place of compassion. And, oh, and, I totally agree with you there. Understanding. I, I totally agree with you. I think the average person is as you described, but I think the politicians, they don't deserve much compassion. And, they and have, even they if have the, proven I that they're even, scum. Even if the politicians aren't just scum, like you said, they're doing evil things and they need to be called out. Whether you mean or you feel like you're not doing something right. bad in your heart or not, it doesn't really matter when it comes to your actions if you're doing something evil. Yeah, but I don't. I don't think they really. I don't think they really understand that they are doing evil. I no, think they of think course they're not. Doing good. Uh, yeah, I totally yeah, agree I with you. Maybe. They're, they're completely delusional. Uh, but th- that tends to be them, true. I think even the people in Congress, they really do believe that they're doing good. Like yeah. they really do believe that. They're, I think that's what true. Doing is right. I think well, that you're most just kind people... of projecting. Both of you are just kind of projecting. Well, I wouldn't do something to hurt someone else, so nobody would. But some people no, just really, really don't psychopaths. care. That's yeah. true. There really are um, yeah. psychopaths, and, and there's secondhand psychopaths. People who just learn sure. to stop caring. But I, uh, but I think that uh, Jack is is correct generally about people. Is that those who are advocating for bad things, the things that we disagree with, using the threat of 
violence against others. Many of them, they don't see the violence. They don't want to see the violence. They have significant cognitive dissonance going on to prevent them from seeing that violence. But when you so, can try to, um, when you've tried to actually go and convince politicians to stop doing, uh, you know, forceful things to you, like. Mm-hmm. The city councilors who listened to like a hundred something people uh, last year in Keene telling them why they don't want to wear face masks and they still instill it anyway just sure. because they're bought and sold. And uh, I don't know. Well, they believe that face masks are good and they thought that they everybody did, should yeah. have to do it. But even though ev- everybody in their town was telling them we don't want to have to do this and here's yeah, a million some democracy, great reasons why. Right? They think that they're smarter than everybody. That yes, they, they do. They, they understand these scientific things better than everybody They're else. They're the anointed yeah. ones. They have been chosen to make these decisions for the people. Sounds like a system we should completely demolish. Oh, absolutely. There's no I doubt agree. about it. Thanks, Jack, for the call tonight, man. <laughs> I do appreciate hearing from you. And the only way that the system is going to be demolished in a peaceful manner is for people of a like mindset to come to the same place together. And uh, the Free State Project, by the way, has been promoting the Democrat protest video that we shot over the cool. weekend. Uh, and if you haven't seen that yet, you can go to freekeen.com and you'll find a 15-minute version of it there that's including clips of the speeches from the Democrats, which are just loaded with unintor- unintentional endorsements of the Free State Project. And then there's like probably the other half of it is Joa, our Thursday night co-host, just trolling from the stage. He took the stage after they finished speaking and just started having his own speech and the Democrats didn't like that very much. So you get to see that. Check that out at freekeen.com. It's on the Freekeen Odyssey channel as well. Uh, You can join us tomorrow night online in the meantime. It's Free Talk Live. Iconic guitarist Eric Clapton's lifelong passion for the blues burns brightly in a new film and soundtrack release entitled Nothing But the Blues. The documentary film, which was nominated for an Emmy Award, has been upgraded to 4K for its long-awaited official Blu-ray and DVD release. The new soundtrack album features all of the music from the 1995 film and also includes more than an hour of previously unreleased live performances, Eric spoke about his lifelong love and respect for the blues. It's a wonderful process of working. We do everything live. So if one person makes a mistake, we all have to do it again. Or we accept the mistake. People have asked me about songwriting in the past and which songs have meant the most. The the ones that have meant the most to me over the years are the ones that were the easiest to write like Wonderful Tonight, and that was the most successful because it just fell out. That's iconic guitarist Eric Clapton, whose long-awaited documentary film and music soundtrack, Nothing But the Blues, will be released on multiple formats on June 24th. Order now at ericclapton.com.